First Kings chapter three is where we are. So if you, <laughs> if you could ask God for anything, what would it be? I want you to be thinking about that. Here's the situation today. The situation that we live in today is there's lots of knowledge, but very little understanding. There's lots of means, but very little meaning. There's lots of know-how, but very little know-why. And there's lots of sight, but very little insight. And so what we're trying to get at today, as we look at these prayers in the Bible, we're trying to look at how people in the Bible prayed and maybe glean from these passages uh, direction on how we can pray and how we ought to learn how to pray. So this prayer is by Solomon, who is said to be the wisest person who has ever lived. Solomon is the king at this point, right in the beginning of his responsibility of king of Israel. Solomon's dad was who? David. And uh, so Solomon is a part of a bloodline that will eventually uh, be the line that Jesus, the Messiah, comes from. And, uh, and here Solomon is in the beginning of his reign, 20 years old, very young, with a lot of responsibility. Now, the king in this day uh, is very different than like what you might think about like the royal family that is, exists in the UK today. I mean, the, the Queen of England is more of a figurehead. She doesn't have as much power as, as the idea of a kingship or the royal family did. Well, in this day, the king had a lot of power. He was the, the judge, the president, the CEO, the ruler. I mean, he had all the power of the land. And uh, so he has an awesome, awesome responsibility. I want you to think about your areas of responsibility. Your first responsibility is your own self, leading yourself. And then you probably have some, some, some of you are married and you have children. So that's an area of responsibility. Then just think about it kind of goes out from there. You have a job, you have responsibility in your job, not just to, to help the company that you work for make money, but you have a responsibility as a human being and relationships. You have a responsibility in this city where you live. God has put you in this city, uh, to, to be a part of what he wants to do in this city. So where you live and in that area around you is, is a God-given responsibility, responsibility to have. So you have a lot of responsibility. We have a responsibility in this country and in this world. We feel the weight of that responsibility. So although we're not kings in the same way that Solomon was a king, we still need to go to God and ask for uh, in prayer the things that would help us accomplish and, and do what God wants to do in the midst of all this responsibility. Okay, so here's the passage. I'm just going to go down and tell you the story, and, see, and we're going to look at what happens and draw some conclusion, and we'll be done. So, so first of all, we see that, that Solomon is a worshiper. Um, do you know that uh, prayer is an act of worship? And what Solomon has done here is he's gone to Gibeon, which is uh, a high place. I mean, it's a physically high place. And so actually what Solomon is doing is, is like what other uh, religions were doing in that day. They believed that if they worshiped from a physically high place, that uh, they were more likely to be heard by God. And so Solomon is doing this, which isn't actually great of Solomon. I mean, Solomon to be doing it, but God extends mercy to him and accepts his prayer. All, anyway, so, so Solomon has gone to Gibeon. It's said to be the highest place in the area at this time. And he has a bunch of people with him. There's a bunch from his court and a bunch that are under his rule with him there in this high place. And it's a place that, uh, according to first Kings, uh, he's, he's 
burnt offerings there. He's, he's worshiped God there before. So there seems to be this relationship between, between Solomon going in worship and, uh, and then God hearing his prayers. I mean, it's, it's clearly a, a heartbeat of Solomon to go and dedicate himself to the Lord. And so that's important to think about. I mean, if you have a heart to worship God, then, uh, and, and you're, you're putting forth effort to, to go to God and worship, that God is going to hear your prayers. I've already mentioned he's 20 years old. Uh, his, his father, David, before he died, and he's dead at this point that we're reading this passage, uh, described him as young and inexperienced. Well, here Solomon is in Gibeon. He's worshiping on this high place. And in verse 5, we see God say to Solomon, ask what I shall give you. I mean, that's pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome thing. And it reminds me of a passage in the New Testament that where, where Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For the man who asks, receives. The man who seeks, finds. And the person who knocks, to him the door is open. Do you know that that's an invitation to every one of us? God himself has says, ask what you want of me. You can come to God and ask him. And I, I want us to feel right from the beginning that God is very personal. God cares about your individual ask. God does. God knows your need. And, and although the people around you might not think it's a big deal, if it's a big deal to you, it is a big deal to God. He cares about your need. He cares about the world. But to care about the world, he cares about the individual needs of the individuals in the world. So God offers to Solomon What do you want? Well, Solomon responds in this really robust request. He responds, first of all, by revering God as mighty. This is a good model for prayer. When we go to God in prayer, what we ought to do is first and foremost, acknowledge how wonderful and awesome God is. You see, because if we don't have an increasingly uh, large view of how awesome God is, then our understanding of how powerful God can work will be very small. Look at verse 6 of 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love. That's the word steadfast. Remember, if you were here last week, I said chesed love. It's in the Old Testament. It's this idea that God is loving. He pursues. It's robust. He's faithful in his love towards us. You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on the throne his day. What Solomon is saying is, God, you are awesome. My father, David, walked before you and you were faithful to him and you orchestrated the events of history that my father, David, would have a son by way of Bathsheba. By the way, this is Solomon's mom. And that this son would rule. So God, we revere you as awesome. Would you just bow your heads? Let's pray and just tell God this. God, we love you and we want to revere you as awesome. You have worked in all of our lives through good days and bads to bring us to this point in our lives and on this day to bring us into this room. And God, for some in this room, the, the thought maybe a year ago or two years that they would be gathered with a group of people talking about you is, 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 is unimaginable. It's incredible, God. So I just want to stop in prayer and just say, God, you are awesome. You are mighty and you are sovereign, and you are powerful, God, and you are completely capable of meeting our individual needs. We love you. Amen. So first of all, Solomon reveres God as mighty and capable. And then in verse 7, what he does is he admits his lowliness. So he's going, God, you are awesome, but I'm real small. 
He admits his lowliness. Look at verse 7. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I mean, this is the king of Israel saying to God, God, you're awesome, and you're so awesome, I am a little child. I mean, compared to all the people around him, he's not a little child. He's a very powerful, powerful king. Some of you are in places of power. What happens sometimes, you get into a place of power in your job, and you start feeling puffed up, like, oh, man, I'm pretty awesome. Like, I I don't know if I really need God in the way that, that others might need him. What Solomon is saying is, God, I am a little child. I don't even know how to go out or to come in. I mean, it's the simplest thing, God. I am, I am so ignorant. I don't even know how to get out of here and how to come into here. In verse eight, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. So the first thing he does in prayer is he reveres God as mighty and then he admits his lowliness, but he also acknowledges this great responsibility. Do you feel the weight of your individual responsibility? Many of you do. You understand if you have children, what an awesome responsibility that is. If you're married, what an awesome responsibility that is. In your job, you have, you have a great responsibility. It feels heavy at times. And so in prayer, what we ought to do is go to him and go, God, you're awesome. I'm small, but for whatever reason, you have given me this responsibility that is so big. So what's he going to ask for next? What's reasonable for Solomon as we're reading it is to think, you know what he should ask for as a king? He should ask for longevity. It's the number one desire of every king, right? I want to rule for a really long time. And maybe even revenge. I want for our kingdom to enact revenge on anybody who's wronged us, to establish our authority. And what maybe in our minds would be justified for this king to ask of God is to live a long time as king and for every other person, especially those who, uh, who oppress or, or cross or try to, try to oppose them, to be, to be killed, to be done away with. But here's what Solomon asks. He asks for a hearing heart. Everybody say hearing heart. Solomon asks for a hearing heart. Verse 9, give your servant. See, he knows his place. Therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. It literally means a hearing heart. Give me an understanding mind to govern your people that I might discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. God, this responsibility is too big. Being a dad is too incredible. Being a friend to the people that are around me is too incredible. To the responsibility of the passion you've put in my heart. Some of you have passions, visions for your own life, maybe to help people or to, to, to build a great business that can eventually help a lot of people. Um, that's an awesome responsibility. But what you must realize, like Solomon did, is that what you need more than anything else is a hearing heart. This is the centerpiece of this passage. The prayer of Solomon that God would give him the kind of heart that's tuned into his voice so that he can lead Israel as God would want him to be led. 
He has placed the good of God's people and the will of God above his own personal peace and prosperity and above any desire to become more powerful as a king. Do you know that in prayer, our asks reveal our heart? What do you pray for most often? Our asks reveal our heart. What's unfortunate is the majority of prayers that we make are around the dinner table and we just, you know, thank God for food. That's good, but if that's all that's in our heart before the Lord, then there, there might be some adjustment that needs to be made. Sometimes when I'm praying my kids at night, especially when I'm frustrated with them, uh, the real ask in my heart, and I'll pray this, is usually some sort of parenting. Like I'll say, God, would you help, you know, so-and-so to quit being so disobedient? <laughs> you know, God, would you, help, would you help them to go to sleep and to not get out of their bed so that mom and I can make brownies and eat them without them knowing? You know, you know I mean, like those are the, that's what's in my heart, right? But, but uh, more generally, our asks reveal our heart. What do you ask for? Solomon is ultimately asking for a discerning heart wisdom. He wants wisdom, something that cannot be attained by reading books. It's the kind of insight that only God can give. It's familiar to those that write in the Bible. Job asks this question, where can wisdom be found? Job 28, 12. Where does understanding dwell? And Job's request is, help me to understand what's going on before me. I'm in the midst of some responsibility and I need your help, oh God. So Job, it says, look through the land of the living. He's trying to find wisdom and he comes to the conclusion, it cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed with silver. So the kind of insight that Job is asking for and Solomon needs is not something that you can buy or that you can pick up a book and read. It's the kind of insight that only God can give. And Job comes to this conclusion, says these words, he alone, God alone knows where wisdom dwells. So the kind of wisdom that we get to ask for in prayer, the discerning heart that we need from God that we get to ask for in prayer is the kind of discerning heart that cannot be found in books. It cannot be found in our own intellectual capabilities. It's the kind of wisdom that only God can give. And how do we get it? We ask God for it. We must be diligent in our worship asking God for it. So Solomon asked God, God, you're awesome, you're mighty. I recognize my place in your plan. God, and my heart is simply that I would have the kind of heart that can hear your will for these people. What an awesome prayer. Verse 10, I love this. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God answered. Verse 11, God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, because you have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you what you've asked for, a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before and none like you shall arise after. So God says, you want a discerning heart? I'll give it to you. Now, I think it's important to point out that Solomon has worshiped in this way according to the beginning of the passage, a thousand times. And I don't know how many of those thousand times God has said, ask what you want. But I'm wondering how often Solomon had to ask for this kind of wisdom before God said, I know your heart and I'll give it to you. 
there's something about in our prayers, understanding that we must be diligent and faithful in our prayers. So it's not like we go, God, give me wisdom in this area of conflict that I'm dealing with. (sighs) Nothing, God? Okay, well, then I'm going to figure it out myself. No, oftentimes what God is wanting from us is the kind of heart that says, God, I know that you are the source of wisdom, just like Job says, and I'm going to wait until you give me the kind of wisdom that I need. Before I act, before I move, I'm going to wait on you because I need a discerning heart. I need to see things like you see them. And God says... I'll give it to you. Not only does God give him a discerning heart, but God gives more. This is how prayer works. Oftentimes when we focus on the right things, God pours out extra things. Have you ever had that happen? You're like, God, all I asked was for a good job or for a job, and you gave me a great job. God, all I asked for was a wife or a husband, and uh, you gave me you know, something far greater than anything I could have asked or imagined. God, I just asked for this situation at my my job to be resolved, and then you not only resolved it, but I've now become friends with the person who I had conflict with. You know know what I'm saying? You ever have that happen where you say, God, give me the kind of discerning heart I can see how to move forward, and then God says, I'll give you that, but I'm going to give you more. Look what he gives Solomon. I give you also what you have not asked, verse 13, both riches and honor so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked in, I will lengthen your days. And here's what Solomon does in response to this. He doesn't just take his discerning heart and go about his business ignoring God. Here's what he does. And Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. So he has a vision with the Lord. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So here's what he did. After God gave him this request, he worshiped. So prayer begins and ends with worship. Under Solomon's reign, Israel prospered. Its borders were enlarged. There was peace. The people and Israel's neighbors were also happy with this reign and the welfare. It was an awesome time. So two things, and I'll bring this to a close. Do you know that a discerning heart, wisdom, begins with a reverence for God? You see, if we live lives that do not revere God, or have in mind that God is small or somehow incapable of really working out what's before us, then we'll never have the kind of heart that says, God, I want to know what you think about this situation because I know that's the answer for this situation. Real wisdom begins with a reverence for God. To see in the things around you what you need to see, you need to know God is big. And God is awesome. And God knows more than you do on your best day. He knows how to resolve that situation at work. He knows how to resolve that situation in your heart. He knows where to lead you. Real wisdom begins with a reverence for God. So let us be the kind of people that in our prayers and in our worship, we begin by just saying, God, you're awesome. This morning, I gathered with a group of people at nine o'clock to just pray for today and pray for our church. And one of the first things I did was just acknowledge and pray, God, you are awesome. Isaiah says that God is so awesome that it's like he can hold all the waters of the land in the palm of his hand. 
If you took the most fertile places in our world and all the trees that grow there and you put them together and you burnt them as an offering to the Lord, it would not give God the glory he deserves. God is awesome. And I know how it goes because all of us have responsibility that feels heavy and big. You have a situation in your life that you think is overwhelming to you. And what we lose sight of oftentimes is a grand sense of the glory and the awesomeness of God. When I think about the weight of responsibility of this vision that God has given, not only me, but the leaders of our church to plant churches in and around downtown, that feels awesome. I mean, that feels awesome in a bad way, like heavy. (laughs) But then I'm reminded that God is big and God is grand and God can do something to transform these neighborhoods that's far greater than anything we could do in our own strength. And we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of it. Real wisdom begins with a reverence for God. So maybe in your prayers, that's the first place to go. God, you're big and you're awesome. And help me to understand more and more how really wonderful you are. Second thing. Well, let me back up here. So whatever that thing is on your mind right now, you've got a situation with a family member, you've got a situation at work or a situation in your own heart. You know, you deal with the, the, the conflict in your own heart of something. Maybe you're struggling with depression or you're struggling with something else going on in your life. Just know, just, just hold that in context to the fact that we have an awesome God that you get to go to and ask for wisdom in a discerning heart. That is awesome. That's free. Second thing I want you to understand is that when we seek God's will first, he always adds other things to us, always. When we seek God's will first, he always adds other blessings to us. Can I get an amen? Solomon's primary desire for wisdom enabled him to bless him monetarily and his reign and rule was great. Reminds us, Uh, Not only did he do that, but then he gave him riches. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God's righteousness, and all the extra things will be added to you. When we seek God's will first in prayer, he will always add other blessings to us. What is on your mind that you need a discerning heart for? Let's pray together about these things.